Good morning, listeners. This is digital editor Eric Seidel. And after recording the podcast from my home studio over the last few weeks, I'm happy to announce that we are back here in our office studios. So thanks for sticking with us and continuing to listen to the show. Now it will be a lot easier to have our in-studio guests and our reporters right here in our studio. So thanks again. We're excited to bring you this week's show. This week will be our second special edition of Above the Fold, in which most of the show we will focus on one single news story, the city's $18 million financing slip-up. But before Nolan Lister and I dive into that, here is a quick rundown of your biggest stories for Friday, May 15th's episode of Above the Fold. Here we go. On May 13th, Tom Coogan reports that drive-in movies are coming to the Lewis and Clark County Fairgrounds. Drive-in movies will make a return to Helena next week. The Lewis and Clark County Fairgrounds is contracting with a company to host a drive-in movie on Wednesday evening, May 20th. If successful, the fairgrounds will consider bringing the drive-in back weekly as long as it draws interest, said manager Kevin Tenney. The company who is contracted is unavailable on weekends for the next month due to their prior commitments. But with the cancellation of Alive at Five on Wednesdays, the drive-in movies could make for a good community event during the COVID-19 restrictions. The fairgrounds needs to balance the affordability for patrons with the costs. Tenney believes initial entrance fees may range from $7 to $8 per person or $20 to $25 per vehicle. The start time will be at approximately 8.30 p.m. near sunset. Tenney would like to host a double feature on the first night, but that still remains up in the air as well as the movies that will be shown. The Sleeping Giant Ranch is sold privately, which ends the possibility of a state purchase. Outdoor beat writer Tom Coogan reports on May 13th, the state of Montana no longer plans to explore the purchase of Sleeping Giant Ranch north of Helena after the property has sold privately. In 2019, the Montana Fish and Wildlife Commission greenlighted Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks request to negotiate the purchasing of the 2,000-acre ranch. Under the proposal, the state would explore the purchase and manage the property as a wildlife management area. The purchase would also provide a more direct access to the public lands that include the iconic Sleeping Giant, located about 30 miles north of Helena. Currently, the only ways to access the Sleeping Giant are a long, rugged hike from Woodside and Gulch to the west or from the water off Holter Reservoir. State officials at the time stated that the owners, Sleeping Giant Ranch LLC, had expressed some interest in negotiating with the state for a potential purchase. In the months following the commission meeting, the ranch sold privately. Property records list the current owners as C5 Livestock Rodeo MT LLC. The sale nullified any potential negotiations with the state, which is not pursuing the property any longer. Now on to our feature story. A city slip-up delays $18 million worth of Helena infrastructure projects. I have the City Beat reporter here with me, Nolan Lister. Nolan, before we really dive in to the financial shortfall, let's sort of set the stage for how this all happened and the speculation around it. In our audio coming up, we'll hear that Chris Cooey specifically refers to the high amounts of staff turnover as being a big reason as to why this happened. And I can imagine it's hard for the public to not speculate that this may have had something to do with a lot of the resignations and some of the restructuring 
That happened when former city manager Anna Cortez was here. If you wouldn't mind laying the groundwork on that, maybe presenting both sides of Cortez's controversial tenure here in Helena, but more importantly, setting up how that led us to the point we're at now of this $18 million slip up and projects being put on hold because of it. Yeah, like you said, Eric, she had a number of supporters who thought she was moving the city forward, and she also had a fair number of detractors who felt like her management style was too abrasive. But uh, regardless, uh, there were a number of resignations under her tenure, one of them being the longtime finance director, Glenn Jorgensen. He resigned August of 2019, shortly after Cortez was hired. Then city spokeswoman Rebecca Connors said at the time Cortez was acting as head of the city's finance department. As it stands now, the city controller and treasurer Liz Hurst has taken on the additional responsibilities of acting as interim finance director. And a full-time director likely will not be hired until the city finds a new city manager. And it's that revolving door within the city's finance department that that really led to a lot of these missteps, including... uh, failing to secure loans for infrastructure projects. During an April 29 administrative meeting, the city's budget analyst, Chris Cooey, had the unfortunate task of having to outline all of the missteps in the last two fiscal years, which led to the $18 million shortage. We uncovered that there was a a large lack of uh, execution on some debt funding for a project specifically in public works and transportation uh, from years fiscal years 2019 and 2020. Um, and so it, again... Uh, Here's Cooey during that same meeting mentioning the cause of this mishap. As far as the cause behind this, um, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on that, but it's it just appears to be a, a result of the recent turnover and the, the reorganization of some of the departments and that um, there weren't a lot of... Uh, controls in place to make sure that the right people were informed at the right time to get all these loans initiated. Again, here's Cooey. And so with that, so I've been working with uh, Mr. Hawk, Mr. Kanaki, and uh, Mr. Leland to identify some solutions to not only uh, what we're calling fix the FY20 year in these funds, uh, but to also revise the capital schedule and the debt schedule for FY21 going forward. So, Nolan, there, Cooey mentioned some restructuring. What does that sort of mean for the public in plain English? What are some of the projects that are going to be shifted as a result of this $18 million financial error? So, as a result of this, the city has had to take a number of big-ticket infrastructure projects and and push them back a couple of years. Most notably, a half-million-dollar storm drain upgrade that was going to be part of the ongoing overhaul to Front Street, quarter of a million dollars worth of work to improve the taste and odor of the city's water supply, a six-million-dollar transmission main from the 10-mile water treatment plant into town, Also, the million-dollar-plus initial phase of the planned Rodney Street reconstruction. All of these have been pushed uh, to the back burner. And understandably, the city commission had quite a few questions. First, Sean Logan. Mr. Mayor, if um, Mr. Cooey could maybe do a – I think we've got the time here relative to the agenda. Um, If he could give kind of an overview of the fixes – and the impacts on various projects. And um, I, I see there are a number of 
people here on this meeting, and I think it would be good for them to have an understanding as well as as us as to what these the impacts are. Sure, uh, Mayor and Commissioner Logan. So the general approach that we took for for fixing fiscal year twenty was to identify the projects that were either mostly uh, had a public safety concern, uh, an infrastructure concern, or were deemed as commission priority projects. Some of them, uh, even, for example, some of the Rodney Street uh, reconstruction was even pushed to 21 just because that project hasn't gotten to a point where it could have happened in this fiscal year anyway. You know, things like the, the stormwater program, the stormwater fund, a lot of it was some of the larger projects uh, and some things that had been done already. And so the fixes are a mix of Things that either we are obligated to spend at this point now, uh, contractually obligated to spend, or have already been spent to this point. And so that was sort of the other side of our approach. So to make sure that there weren't any public safety concerns or infrastructure concerns, and then to sort of cap as much as we could on the spending um, for fiscal year 20 to make sure that these funds didn't end up in a negative situation as far as their fund balance goes. So just then we heard Chris Cooey elaborate that the city will still be obligated to complete some of its contracted projects and even some of its more high-profile priority projects. That's right, and one of the uh, priority projects that's of particular note is the uh, Beatty Street Trailhead uh, upgrades. We learned earlier this week that District Court Judge Kathy Seeley denied a preliminary injunction on the project, so construction will pick up again starting Monday. Here's Cooey again. He's elaborating on some of the options the city could have taken. And there may have been a chance for us to recoup some of this funding. I've, I've spoken with uh, our representatives at the uh, state fund and the intercap loan program, and we may have been able to get some of this funding back in place this year and keep some of these projects more on track. But uh, it was a big risk to take, especially this late in the year. Uh, we may not have gotten the funding in time, and we would have run the risk of having to fill out a CAFR showing a lot of these funds negative if we had not gotten the funds in time before the end of the fiscal year. So we didn't want to take that risk. A CAFR is a comprehensive annual financial report that the uh, Montana state government requires each municipality to provide them uh, prior to the coming fiscal year. Uh, so nobody wants to report to their bosses that, that they're broke. And just for clarity's sake, it sounds like there was an opportunity to reach out to the Montana State Fund and to the Montana Board of Investments. Right. And and he said that, you know, typically when the city reaches out for financing from Montana State Fund or the State Board of Investments, that that's typically an easy process and they're, and they're good to work with. But the chance still remains that they wouldn't get this money in time. Uh, so he felt it was best to just delay the projects and go through the proper channels at that time. Next up was City Commissioner Emily Dean. Her focus was not having this happen again, and she also shined a light on the severity of this issue. So I do have a couple questions. Um, you know, this is something that really we cannot afford to have happen again, and I would really like to ask staff to put together some sort of recommendation of checks and balances for the commission to ensure that this situation doesn't occur again. We're very lucky that, you know, we have competent people like Phil and Chris who were able to, you know, 
know what to do once this issue was found and address it. But that might not be the case 10 and 15 years from now. We do not want to be in another situation where we have almost $18 million of debt service that was not secured. So I would really like to see some sort of proposal of checks and balances to prevent this sort of situation from happening again. In this exchange with Cooey, Dean is seeking a little more clarity within the budget itself. Uh, she She's asking for uh, more specific instances of, of where the money is coming from and, and what projects that money is going toward. And when we have items come to the commission that require a budget item that we are spending money on, it would be very helpful, I think not just for the commission, but I think really for the public to know what of that money has, you know, do we have cash on hand that is budgeted for and what is going to come from debt service? Because I don't think there's necessarily a clear understanding in the public. And even, I mean, as a new commissioner, I didn't necessarily understand which projects were were being funded through debt service in which we already had money in our funds to, to work with. Uh, Mayor, would you mind if I maybe addressed a couple of those? Please. Okay. So, uh, posting at the website, yeah, that's an easy yes, uh, Commissioner. So, the checks and balances, there are some things that I've already started putting in place internally. Um, you know, one of the things that I saw with this particular scenario is that there was a, a fair amount of compartmentalization when it came to the budget uh, in the past. And so, I will do, once we've adopted the budget and everything's good, I'll prepare a memo for not only just the finance staff, but everyone involved in any of the projects that are related to debt funding. And it, there will be a sort of a memo that goes out and I'll create automatic calendar invites and things like that for sort of throughout the year uh, as a way to to make sure that everyone is involved. Because part of this scenario is that typically there would have been the public works director or the finance director or someone in place that would have said, okay, it's time to get these loans started. We didn't have those people. We did have Liz, um, but, you know, in her part of it, typically it's they would come to her and say, hey, we need to get this loan paperwork started, and then she would get it done. Uh, and in this scenario, she's done that. I mean, anything that was brought to her is done and initiated. So um, that's one of the ways, one of the checks and balances that we're putting in place so that, you know, everybody, there's a lot more involvement in the budget process going forward um, so that these don't fall through again. And then I've also done some things where, uh, for project numbers, for example, I won't be issuing project numbers for projects that are supposed to be funded through debt until that paperwork has been initiated or the award letter is sent so that they can't post any uh, expenditures against that project without the number. Um, so those are some of the checks and balances that are in place. Uh, and as far as the the budgeted part of that and, and being able to bring that to the commission. So typically, um, most of these projects are done through the budget process. And so they will be as well. So when we get to the work sessions, you will see what projects are there. And I've worked it into the details of the budget. So Nolan, it's fair to say at the end of the day, we're looking at an $18 million mistake, I guess, here by the city. Did the public works department seem confident that you know, they'll be able to operate under this financial strain. Interim Public Works Director Phil Hawk assured the commission that they would have an adequate cash balance in their fund moving into fiscal year 2021. He also said that that they do have enough cash left over after the fixes have been implemented to tackle any 
unforeseen problems that may creep up. If if a water main bursts in the winter, or they expect to have enough money to, to fix that. All right, Nolan. Well, I appreciate all your time today. Thanks for sharing the morning here with me to, to kind of break this down and, and put everything in, in layman's terms for everyone. And uh, welcome back to the office. That was Above the Fold for Friday, May 15th, 2020. We hope you enjoyed the episode. It was our second special edition of the episode where most of the show is focused on one single large story. If you did enjoy the show, please subscribe to the podcast and you'll hear us every Friday morning. We typically give you a rundown of the week's biggest news. And if you're a big fan of the show, you can always give us a rating via the Apple Podcast app. Thanks for listening. We hope everyone is safe out there and enjoy your weekend. Mm-hmm.